0: In a galaxy of many podcasts, we're honoured you dropped in two hours. Welcome to Biz and Coffee. Our mission, to inform, educate, and entertain business leaders on ideas, concepts, and trends. Each week, we'll be discussing a business-related topic, sometimes just the two of us, occasionally with guests. What are your bugbears? Throw them over, and we'll work them out together. If you'd like to be a guest, get in touch. And now, over to our hosts, Io and Christopher. thought today we talk about engagement and particularly engagement from when you start a new job or a new activity. Tentatively subtitled this, the best long-term marriages start with engagement. So why doesn't this happen for work? I don't know about you, but how often have you gone into a company, started a new job and the onboarding was just so well done and so engaged you into the culture and the fabric of that company or organization that you immediately started getting engaged with the people there with the the work with its mission has that ever happened when you've joined a business
1: yeah i always say that that onboarding process into getting a new person into the company is so crucial and it actually starts when you start to interview and i feel like you know i remember when i when i started at mckinsey I felt that someone had taken time to prepare for me coming. And everything was kind of, you know, done properly from the basic things to, you know, like having a computer, people telling me what I need to do and then people coming and talking about the company. Obviously we, we joined in a cohort and I really enjoyed that process because it immediately allowed me to you know to form relationships with the people who were joining together. There was a whole bunch of shared experiences that we had because of. I think it was a. I don't know. It was a three-day, two to three-day process, and then we went on what is called the basic readiness uh, training somewhere in Sweden. Uh, uh, mm. And and for me, that process kind of helped me in terms of getting into the company. But I think it's the two sides to it. There's what the company does. There's what you do, right? and and I think yes there's a lot for a lot of companies to do on the side of preparing for people coming but also you as an individual and you're going to a new environment I think two things gotta happen when you get in the first one obviously is you got to get very clear on what you're supposed to deliver. What does success look like? And a lot of people don't do this because you know you're like, oh, I have a new job, and it's like almost like a holiday when you start the first couple of days. But really, in the beginning, is to use that time to kind of sit down with whoever your manager is to get clear on what success looks like in the first thirty days, the first ninety days, because people aren't passing judgment at the beginning and sometimes unfortunately once they've made up their mind about the kind of person you are it becomes very difficult to recover later you know that's why the first the the first uh you know i think 30 to 90 days is very crucial that's one side of it getting clear on what you're supposed to do the other thing you've got to do is um, from the day you step into the organization you've got to start building your power base which is you know i call power base your relationships your network yeah you know your network and you need to sit down and figure out start trying to understand who is who and you're looking at those who are reporting to you those who are if you're not like the ground level let's say you come in as a manager those who are below and those who are your peers and you go to start you know building building those relationships from day one and you have to be intentional about it you know because if i look at myself at the moment a lot of what I'm doing today is coming from relationships I've built over time. Without those relationships, maybe I wouldn't even have any business. You know, because, <laughs> yeah, because to go out and start trying to find business by yourself, uh, that takes a lot. So I think those first 90 days, the onboarding is important from the company, but you also have got to grab that stuff, You know, be clear on what you're supposed to do, and then start to build your relationship. But let me, uh,
0: let me pause here so you, so you can get a word in. <laughs> <laughs> There's something you said right at the start of that that really grabbed me, which was preparation for really successful onboarding and engagement actually starts when you're interviewing people. And I wonder how much difference it would make when the team who are involved, that be the, a recruiter, a headhunter, or an internal talent management team or sourcing team, thinking we're going to bring someone in into our intimate environment. And if people would think about it. I'm not just hiring another bum on a seat. I'm actually hiring someone to be part of my corporate family. Would that change people's approach? Would that change their attitude towards how they're sourcing people and what they're looking for? I think it might.
1: Oh, it def- definitely will. So I used to do a lot of interviews for, us, well, I interviewing him at McKinsey at the time. And you know, to interview someone who's good is easy. Right, because they give you a lot of material, and you know, you have a really good interview, really good engagement, and stuff like that. You know, so that part is good. The part that requires discipline and skill is when you're interviewing someone who, within the first five minutes, you know, there is no way this person is going to the next stage, right? And that's where you've got to realize that you're representing a brand. Representing a company, you go to you know you go to complete that interview, and do it you know professionally and leave the even though this person is not going to go to the next level, leave the person with the right kind of impression about the company, you know because oftentimes I've seen people you know because they realize oh this person oh never, <laughs> they they almost become unprofessional <coughs> in the conversation. And the reality is that your the brand of your company is how people see the company. And that's both people who work there, people who have interacted with you, including those people you would never hire, right? Because Absolutely. they have something to say.
0: Yeah, I've, I've taken a view. I've done a lot of hiring and interviewing in my career. Hired You know, over a hundred people into um, my teams and other teams sometimes, um, and so I've done must be it, it's it's over a 1000 interviews I've, I've conducted. And I felt that it was, they, they'd given their time to this interview. And obviously I was too, but um, they, they'd taken time from their life to do that. And I felt there was a, a obligation, maybe putting it a bit, a bit um, hard, but there was, I had an intention make sure that they had a good experience out of it. They got something out of it. If they were. I wasn't obviously gonna be able to hire everybody interviewed. That's the nature of the beast. But if I could leave them with something that helps them for next time, even if they were not quite the right um, candidate, then that was a good experience. They got something from it. You know, every day is a school day, you might say. Um, so, th- and there have been occasions when I've had someone presented for interview and knew very quickly that it wasn't right for them um and it wasn't right for us i mean sometimes it's not right for not not right for me and my team because i know what my team are like and it has a certain culture and you don't want to put someone into that group that really doesn't fit but sometimes you can you get a sense of actually this isn't right for them even if they were a right fit for the team it's not right role for them at the time and i have stopped interviews in the past and said um you know we could carry on doing this interview but um, I think you probably have a sense of this as well, and I, I can tell you now that I won't be able to take you to the next stage. This is why and this is what you could do to um, maybe to, to make it to the to a further stage later. Or maybe it's, it's just this isn't the right fit. This is uh, there would be a, each each case is unique um, and and in one or two cases i've stayed in touch with those people because said, i said i've never had an, had an interview experience like that before can we stay in touch i've really learned something um, I, I mean that feels good because you've positively impacted another human being and that's yeah. you know yeah. ultimately a, my 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 um, goal in life is just to make the world a better place one one person one interaction one transaction at a time so that that's been you know very positive and on my own account when I've been interviewing for a role, I once stopped an interview where I was the candidate and said this isn't right, this isn't going to be the right fit for me, I can see that and the, again the interviewer said you know what, you're absolutely right but we've got this time, let's have a nice chat and we did and we've stayed in touch for years uh, and it's been a really fascinating thing to do. Now that's yeah. not going to be a common experience and sometimes people just don't have time for it but when the opportunity presents i think it's worth grabbing those opportunities but going back to the first 90 days concept, i think it's something we do in in the convoy community the key elements of it to really get into a new job successfully were to map your stakeholders you know as you say to explore the the power base in the organization but knowing who your friends are in this new organization who are your allies and who are your enemies clearly going to be really important <laughs> to your success but i think one of the really key things was what is this new job anyway i don't know about you but my experience of job descriptions is that particularly in leadership and management they rarely reflect the reality of what the job entails they're very yeah. often an amalgam of the, of the skill sets of the people that you're going to be supporting as a manager or a leader rather yeah. than necessarily what do we need here? we need someone who's really good at managing difficult personalities, because in IT we, well, probably everywhere, but we like to think in IT that we have some characters and personalities, and of course we do. Whether it's an attitudinal shift or something like that, it's a realization or an awareness that says, okay, you need to know what this job really is. And who really knows that? Well, it's your boss should know your new boss, but the people who really know are your customers in this new role, who are the people you support, the people they serve, and your boss. I think taking time to consciously distinguish that in your first 90 days in a new role, or whatever time frame it is, but 90 days is a good one, because you've got that sort of honeymoon period for three months as you as you join the organisation, is super important. What's your process for discovering yeah. it when you join a new role? I mean, it's
1: interesting, something, something you mentioned around Thinking about your various stakeholders as customers. Because it's something there's something we do in Lean, which is you know, you, you try to identify all the critical requirements for success, or they call it CTQs if you use that language for the customer. So for me, I always try to identify, first of all, who determines if I am successful in this role? Who's the person or the persons, right? Because I identify them and then I want to know from them what. Do I need to deliver to be successful? And it's something I want to agree, you know, we write it down, we agree, that's what it is. So that's you know, that's like the nice to have, right? Or no, the must-have. Then the next thing then becomes, okay, who are all the, you know, that the influencers around who, if they are unhappy, they can negatively influence the bosses or whoever my main or key clients are. And then I try to understand what makes them happy or what do they require from me? And then once I map, then I figure out, okay, look, in what sequence do I need to tackle these things? And one of the things I found is that there's what you do mm-hmm. and then there's how you communicate it. I always, and I always find a lot of people where, where everything falls apart and I've seen it in my career sometimes where I've had problems is it's not doing the job mm-hmm. where things fall apart is communicating effectively what you've done or what's going on. That's where things fall apart. And a lot of it is always, you know, I found when you haven't done when I haven't done that analysis of, okay, the stakeholders, who needs who's responsible, who's accountable, who needs to be, you know, informed, who needs to be consulted. All of those interest interesting things that you would do if you were doing, you know, a a project, mm-hmm. a Six Sigma project or Lean project, right? And I find if you invest time whenever I've invested time thinking about who do I need to be talking to what frequency do I need to be talking to them what do I need to be saying to them and I've executed that I don't even have to do the best job in the world Mm. to be the most important person in my role just because the communication the effectiveness of the communication means that everyone feels like, okay, this chap knows what he's doing. They feel like they can contribute. They feel like they know what's happening and stuff like that. And, you know, so for me, it's, you know, know who the key stakeholders are. Understand the best way to communicate with them. And for the love of God, communicate with them. Yes. You know, so that that for me, it's it's, it's the way I do it. I'm not always 100% successful at it. But I find that when I sit down, I do that effectively. You know, Makes all life, life is easier. And then you build better relationships with them as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very true. Back on my career, I can certainly see um, a number of places where communication bit was lacking. And it did result in problems. I, I used to have this feeling that, you know, if I'm doing a good job and um, do, doing my job well, um, performing well, delivering well, then of course my boss should, should be noticing this and, and I shouldn't have to keep telling him. Well, that's so wrong. It's just, it's yep. just so, so Very wrong. wrong. <laughs> and because they've got the same challenge. They've still got to communicate their success. They're busy, concerned about their own careers. And at the end of the day, we have to take personal and individual responsibility for our own stakeholding, our own yeah. brand. And there's a lot yeah. of bullshit talked about brands, I think, in, in personal brands across business but it it is a thing one doesn't have to become obsessed about it but i think it is a it is important that the people you need to know about your success and your performance and your challenges are the ones that get to hear about it from you yeah not in a you know boastful oh i've done this and i've done that but as they say in texas if you've done it it ain't bragging if you have done it and it's you don't have to overdo it it's um, important that people know because um, it also builds your, it builds your support base, doesn't it? So when you are successful, people people no, want to be associated it, with you. They want to help you. They want to be part of that success. People genuinely, yeah. It's the same in in sport. You know, people want to be part of a successful team or successful organisation.
1: It does. I, I always say that. Look, speaking to an executive or working with someone in coaching, sometimes I always tell them that you've got to think of yourself like a product. Imagine if you created a good product then you told no one about it. Or you created a good product, you told us the name of the product, then you don't tell us what it does or what it can do. It just means that you're saying that for us to buy your product, we have to do a lot of research, come and ask you what does the product do? And who has time for that? I mean, when when there's another product, that's probably not half as good, but tells us, oh, do this, 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 and that, and we're good. I find by the way, I think sometimes I don't see this in the US so much because they, the Americans seem to they've been taught to talk about what they do, what they can do and you know and put it out there, mm. right? Whereas in England or or even some parts of Africa, it's different. You gotta be you gotta be modest, you've got to, you gotta know, either you gotta let someone say you're a good speaker, don't say you're a good. You know, all kinds of stuff that I think sometimes they they're just counterproductive. If you're good at speaking well tell us you are so in case we need to we need someone to run the event we'll come to you uh, it's that kind I'll of like, stuff i mean yeah. i
0: guess there are probably ways to do it it's a subject i think we'll return to in another episode will be around strengths and uh, strengths focused cultures so where you 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 take it we take as leaders we take an active role in discovering and understanding what people's strengths are so we give them more of that stuff to do rather than Know, try as, as a lot of organizations do, identify weaknesses and then fix them. best thing to do with something that's yeah. a weakness is don't ask the person to do that thing. Ask them to do the stuff that they're great at. And because one person's trash is another person's treasure, you know, so there's probably someone else who's really good at Absolutely. doing whatever that is, you know. Absolutely. So I, I, we'll return to that one in more depth, I think, on, a, on another occasion. Yeah, what does great look like? Oh, yeah, I think that that's the point you made it very clearly in this is when getting engaged in your new role um, to make that as effective as possible, you need to know what good looks like. You need to know what excellence looks like. And, and you're aiming for yeah, that, really. Yeah. If you want to be successful in a role, you, yeah, I think most people do. No, most absolutely. want I to mean, do great.
1: Yeah, because it, it's important that you know what the other party considers excellent yeah. not what you consider excellent or the other party who's going to do the evaluation considers excellent so you know that then you, you're building your relationships and then just create just go for it just do it you know
0: and, and have fun I don't know if this helps but I had just a couple of ideas when I joined my last large corporation what I did was in that first 90 days in the stakeholder mapping exercises there was the XCOM, you know, the executive committee that I was invited to be part of, which is great. So I made a point of scheduling an interview with each one of these, and there were two particular questions that I asked all of them, and then took back, and then I fed it back at some point. First question was, what does great look like in this role, taking that theme? What is excellent? To you, in your department, getting services from my teams, what does excellent look like? And the second question was, if I could fix one thing, if I had a magic wand and I could fix one thing, what would you have me fix? And that gave me the opportunity to really understand what would be the quick wins here? What, what were the things that will buy me support from my peers if I then want to do something that perhaps isn't specifically for them to fix some things you have to dig up the road? And people are gonna resist that. So what will give me the listening from them that allows us to do something that's gonna be a bit more disruptive for a bigger future game? Yeah, that was that was very powerful, very, very
1: effective. In a new role you always wanna know you always wanna understand, you know, what the stakeholders are expecting. And then if you can identify the quick wins that's even better because then it's like, you know, it's like that, that football game where, you know, there's like one team's got a lot of energy in the first five, ten minutes, just all over the other side. And then the quicker it would be if you in that period got a goal and then and that, that momentum just kind of carries you through. Obviously, you got to be the real deal or you raise people's expectations and then you, you know, you fizzle out. It's starting a new role, you got to know what success is going to look like you got to understand who your, you know, who your stakeholders are. And then put together, you know, I like to operate in 90 days anyways. Put together a plan for what you're going to do in that 90 days and execute. Run your year every 90 days and get stuff done.
0: I think that's a good point to wrap. No, absolutely. I've enjoyed this. We'll see you in the next session. Thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, see you. Thank you.
0: If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please rate and review and share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions or a topic you would like us to discuss, please reach out. To catch the latest on the show, follow us on social. All contact details are in the show notes. Thanks for listening.